Welcome back to World Changers. I'm Stephen. I'm Brad. Today we're going to be talking about Charles Darwin. That's right. Let's uh, dive right in. Yeah, let's start with the summary of his life. So he was born on February 12th, 1809 in England. Shrewsbury, to be exact. Mm, tastes like shrew... These shrewsberries taste like shrewsberries. <laughs> Close. <laughs> um, and then he was, he was born to a wealthy family. He was the fifth of six children. His father was a doctor and a financier. Okay. I think is how you pronounce that. I'm, I'm a, a novice financier. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln was born on the exact same day. Yep, fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. But it's interesting to think about the huge contrast between their two totally. births because Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin, yeah. right? But Charles Darwin was born in a super wealthy family yeah. in a huge house overlooking a river. So Yeah, he was hooked up. Yeah, pretty different. His mother died, Charles Darwin's mother died when he was eight. So kind of sad. There it is again. There it is again. Yep. A parent dying Childhood in their trauma or difficulty. It's crazy how that's, consistent that is. That is kind of crazy. Nice. Okay. So, um, yeah. So he's born in 1809. In 1817, so he's like eight years old at this point. Yeah. His mother dies. Yep. And um, he goes to Shrewsbury School as a, as a boarder and... Um, yeah, so he's just in school in the summer of 1825. So at this point, how old would he be? 16. 16. He starts in a, as an apprentice doctor, right? So he starts, um, well, he starts helping his dad. Right, because his dad was a doctor. So he he does sort of an internship with his dad yeah. to dad wants prepare him to, for medical school. Dad wants him to be like him. So that summer of 1825 is when he does that. And then in October of 1825, he begins at the University of Edinburgh medical school and that was at the time the best medical school in the UK so his life he hasn't done anything fantastical yet no just a normal I mean he's born in a a great family he's pretty fortunate yeah and he's going to one of the best medical schools in the world yeah pretty fortunate besides his mother dying which was obviously very sad and he actually goes to the medical school with his brother Erasmus so they're actually there at the same time kind of fun fun yeah that would be fun okay keep going if you like your brother he didn't really like studying medicine, so he kind of neglected his studies. He, During this time, while he was at the University of Edinburgh, he learned taxidermy from a freed black slave named John Edmundstone. Hey, useful skill. So yeah, he obviously was really interested in animals. Already. animals, obviously. Yeah. And then in his second year at that university, he joined what was called the Plinian Society, which was a student natural history group. So he's kind of neglecting his medical studies, really interested in natural history and animals kind of stuff. Yeah, his grades are kind of going down the drain a little bit. Yeah. And he's okay with that. He's just decided, I can't do this, and uh, I'm just going to focus on these other things I'm actually interested in. Right. Which I think is courageous. It is courageous, yeah, especially with the expectations of his dad and everything. Totally. Kind of putting a lot of pressure on him. Um, he, He was also introduced to evolutionary ideas actually, and found such ideas in the journal of his grandfather, who was also named Erasmus. Interesting. And his father obviously wasn't happy that he was neglecting his medical studies, so he ended up sending him to Christ College at Cambridge. He fails. Yeah. So his, his, uh, the money that he was born into failed him. 
got into the best medical school, but then eventually drops out, and now he's going to be like a priest, right? Yeah, so it was like a, a it's like a divinity school, so he would have been training to become a, an ordained priest. And that would have been in the Anglican Church, that he would have been become a priest. He started studying there in January of 1828, at the age of 18. He, but at that place, he neglected his studies as well. <laughs> this <laughs> so, kind of sounds familiar. <laughs> for you. <laughs> so he, it's, it seems that he preferred riding and shooting to studying, which, I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. You know? Sure, I guess. Sounds pretty fun. Yeah. He became an avid beetle collector. I heard that, time. yeah. His cousin got him into it. At best, apparently it was all the craze. People would collect all these beetles. I guess so, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he got really into it. And I he actually, I'd be into that, but... Yeah, he, he pursued it pretty zealously. And it says that some of his findings were actually published in, uh, in some books, the illustrations of British entomology. Huh. Yeah, so that's cool. I think maybe at this point he starts to realize, wow, the things I actually like, people <laughs> can respect those. Yeah. Maybe like a video gamer today who's yeah. playing for fun and their parents think they're a bum, but then all of a sudden they start making some money off of it and they say, wow. Anyways, so um, in 1831, he has a final exam. He actually did pretty well. Yeah. Got 10th out of 178 candidates. Yeah, so despite having neglected his studies. So he's a smart kid. So, quote unquote, he, yeah. He's a gifted, smart kid. He ended up doing okay anyway. And he actually stayed in, at Cambridge uh, until June 1831. Okay. And, um... So he would have been 22? Yeah, 22 years old at that time, 1831. So cool. And then... So he's finished his school. Finished his school. He's 21. He goes on a voyage. So he's done. He's going to go on a big trip. Now, he gets invited to... Join the voyage of the HMS Beagle, mm-hmm. a ship that was going to chart the coastline of South America. And he was invited to join that basically as a professional. It wasn't um, as a gentleman is what I was is what I read. Yeah, not so, as a mere collector. Yes, exactly. So he joins this voyage and, and last five years. Yeah, pretty long. It was planned to only last three, but then they ended up staying a little bit longer. So they leave uh, four day or three day, two days after, after Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. So he has Christmas. He says in goodbye. Eighteen thirty one. That same year. And how old he's is 20, he? Eighteen thirty one. Twenty two. Twenty two. Twenty two. So twenty two. <clears throat> he has Christmas. He takes off, and I have a map here of where they went. And uh, yeah. So they start in Plymouth, and they go down to Cape Verde in Africa. Uh-huh. And then they just go uh, all the way around South Africa. So they start kind of where Brazil... South America. South America. Yeah. They start with Brazil. They go all the way around. They come up and on the, the west side, northwest side of South America is the Galapagos. Uh-huh. And then he... Um, then they come out over by New Zealand and Indonesia. And then they come all the way back around. Five years. Yeah. All so just the, the whole world. world. They went yeah. around the whole world. They went around the whole world. And he... So this voyage is where he started to formulate his ideas about that would eventually become the theory of evolution, natural selection, all of that. And they returned to England on October 2nd of 1836. And by this time, he's been sending stuff back, and he's right. his name's got a lot of buzz. People are really excited about him. Yep, It's almost he, like a celebrity. Yeah, and he also kept 
very good notes, kind of a journal along Crazy the way. Crazy good notes. Yeah. So, and later on, those those notes ended up being published as a, as a journal as part of the publishing of the voyage, basically. And his part, his journaling part, was super popular among the people. So, so he comes back. Uh, throughout the rest of his life, he gets really sick. Yeah. Um, but he kind of keeps rising in fame. And he's kind of formulating this idea in his mind, and he's really worried about publishing it. He actually waits, by some estimates, 20 years to publish his findings because he's yeah. so worried about the reception, right? how people are going to take it. And because he was basically moving away from religious ideas. Yeah, he it, was starting to doubt that God really existed or exactly. our idea of God really, really uh-huh. was what it is. And um, eventually he... Uh, he ends up there's a there's a guy, Wallace was it? Yeah. So Wallace is a contemporary. Uh, he's also a, a biologist, and a, uh, he's going to be publishing some stuff along with D- Darwin. He's encouraging Darwin to yeah. publish, and eventually he sends Darwin something that's really similar yeah. to, to Darwin's ideas. So then Darwin decides, okay, we need to just we got to do it now. Do it now. We're going to joint publish this thing. Yeah. So he yep. publishes the book, and the book's called. On the origin of species. On the origins of species, right? And the basic idea is that it's saying that species can evolve. There's something that he, um, the idea is natural selection. One cool example of nat- natural selection is the, uh, like these mice out in the desert, yeah. and these hawks would try to eat them. Right. And there were the white mouse and the black mice, right? <clears throat> the white mice and the black mice. And the white ones could blend in with the sand better than the black ones could. But then there was, over time, there was these volcanoes or whatever, and there was this black rock, and all the white mice would get eaten by the hawks. Oh, and so eventually all of these mice would be black. Right. And they would survive. The white right? ones or, would die out, the black ones would... And they would pass on those favorable genes to their offspring, and it would go forward. And so animals right. can change over time. This is the basic idea. Yeah, that's exactly right. And on his voyage, one of the main things that he found were a bunch of different kinds of finches. And he thought that they were different types of birds altogether. Different species, yeah. Yeah, but they were actually different species of finch, the mm-hmm. same type of bird, basically. And they all had different adaptations, of beak size and body size and all that kind of thing for the type of food that they would be eating yeah. on the islands they were on. What so, yeah. was favorable for their, for their circumstances. Exactly, yeah. So he publishes the theory in June of 1858, and, oh wait, sorry, so On the Origin of Species actually is, is published and went on sale in November of 1859, so he would have been 50 years old at that time. Exactly. And it's, it's received pretty well, like they sell out really it's quickly. really popular, yeah. yeah. They were kind of surprised. Now, obviously, it's pretty controversial. A lot of people embraced it. Yeah. Uh, by the time he died, almost everyone was all in the scientific community was convinced of evolution. Now, whether it was by, strictly by natural selection or by other means, there was some dispute. But for the most part, everyone believed it. In the religious circles, there uh, was a lot of denial. Yeah. Because of the consequences <coughs> of uh, man coming from monkeys. From right. Ape. And where would God fit into that? Yeah, it seems to go completely against the story in the Bible, right, of the creation and everything. That's for another time. But uh, this book obviously made him incredibly famous. Yep. And um, he got married, by the way, somewhere along the way. Somewhere. He doesn't talk. His wife. He married his cousin. Married his first cousin. In 1839. So he was 30. 30 years old. And it's funny. He he actually married. He made a list of marry and not marry advantages. Yep. And uh, the positives were a constant companion and a friend in old age, better than a dog. Yep. 
and the, the points against it were less money for books and terrible loss of time. So, what also, a guy. <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, loss of time, freedom to go where one liked, that would be gone. Yeah. That's, that's another thing he yeah, said. Yeah, totally. So. so, yeah, he has a bunch of kids. Uh, a couple kids die in infancy, which is pretty sad. Yeah, he did have a lot of tragedy in his life. But in, in he, April 1882, April 19th, 1882, he uh, passes away. Yep, he was 73. He was sick his whole, a big chunk of his life. He was really sick. No one really knew. People think it was a coronary thrombosis, some disease of the heart. Heart failure. There's there's some good evidence that points to what's called Chagas disease, which is caused by being bitten by an insect called a kissing bug, quote-unquote. Interesting. And in his journal, he says that he was bitten by a kissing bug in Argentina. Interesting. So they think that that could have been it, and that disease eventually leads to heart failure. Wow. So, Well, um, regardless, he dies. Uh and like we said, April 1882, his last words uh, to his family, he told his wife, I'm not the least afraid of death. Remember what a good wife you have been to me. Tell all my children to remember how good they have been to me. Yeah, good guy. Good guy. And he actually was buried in Westminster Abbey. Yep, close to Isaac Newton. Right next to Isaac Newton. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. That is cool. Interesting. So we've already got a connection to Isaac and Abraham Lincoln. So, yeah, he was 18... 18- we didn't do that on purpose, by the way. 1809 to 1882. So that was the entirety of his life. Yeah. And, but his legacy has lived on. And oh, yeah. It's uh, influenced a lot. So it's huge. Why don't we go over to the next section and let's uh, take a break and do some fun quotes. Quotes, quotes. Yep. All right, you want to go first? I do. Ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. It is those who know little and not those who know much, who so positively assert that this or that problem will never be solved by science. I like the first part. Ignorance more frequently begins confidence. So people who don't know very much are more confident than people who do. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And they probably just think that they, there's nothing else to know. Like, yeah. what I know is the reality. There's nothing else that I don't know, so I, I'm pretty confident that what I know is absolutely true. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, your turn. A man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life. I did not like that one. I read that one. I didn't put it in line. That's too <laughs> well, much. What's the definition of waste, you know? Yeah, good point. Um, at some future period, not very distant as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races throughout the world. Races huh. throughout the world. Which is interesting because yeah. he uh, a lot of his ideas inspire people like Karl Marx and uh, Hitler. Hitler and eugenics and ge- it's races being better than others and yep. he stayed away from that a lot he 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 purposely omitted a lot to do with human races and how that was affected by uh, evolution in his yeah. book but people could read between the lines and right. and it's crazy a lot of people believed in eugenics well he did write some things that were pushing the fact that humans are animals. Yes. Yeah. Hence, they fall into this natural selection. It's very interesting. Thing. Yeah. Okay, you go. So kind of an inadvertent um, consequence of his, of his work. A man's friendships are one of the best measures of his worth. Really so, cool. I like be it. a good friend. Yeah. Be a good friend. In the long history of humankind, and animal kind too, 
Those who learn to collaborate and improvise most effectively have prevailed. So it's interesting because a lot of people used this idea of evolution and survival of the fittest, natural selection, to endorse capitalism, dog-eat-dog mentality. Yeah. Like literally the, the strongest will survive, right? Yeah. And, and what he said about exterminating the savage races of the world. Yeah. And he, he was against that. He was a little bit more socialist and believed in cooperation and helping people. And a good example would be, uh, even with even with apes, that the strongest ape will fight to become the king. Yeah. But the strongest ape can lose to two apes who are three quarters of his strength. Sure. Yeah. So co- cooperating and and making teams will eventually make but you. Then who rules out of those two apes? Right. It's, it's <laughs> tough. But but the idea is. Um, Adapting, yeah. Right, yeah, innovation. He said, I cannot persuade myself that a beneficent and omnipotent God would have designedly created parasitic wasps with the express intention of their feeding within the living bodies of caterpillars. It's interesting. Yeah, so evidence that he started to think that this idea of a loving God was well crap. He did believe that, but on the contrary as well, what he's saying is a wasp that injects its babies into a caterpillar and the babies hatch and eat the caterpillar from the inside out, that doesn't sound like a loving god. But Sounds under, pretty freaky. Sounds freaky. <laughs> sounds like a psycho god. But under his discovery of evolution, that God didn't really make these things come about, but just being in the natural world, certain things changed without God's, with God's supervision, but not without his, without his direct action yeah. in, in changing those. It almost like, okay, I have this wasp. I can't believe this is from a loving God. Evolution can help me explain that. Or sure. God can. So, it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. Huh. Okay. The dinosaurs evolved. The meteor adapted. Meteor adapted, man. <laughs> Okay, let's do uh, two more each. Okay. Let me see here. I got one. Blushing is the most peculiar and most human of all expressions. Blushing, huh? Blushing. Interesting. interesting yeah. A weird thing that we do. Our cheeks just turn red. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> um, he said, a scientific man ought to have no wishes, no affections, a mere heart of stone. It's interesting because one similarity I see between him and other people we've gone over is his obsessive nature. Yeah. He was obsessed with what he did, as was Leonardo, as was Isaac Newton. And we see a lot of these guys don't have great love lives. Right. They don't have great families in their childhood or in their, in their adulthood with themselves personally. It's interesting. Yeah. Like what he said, the negatives of having a wife, less time for books. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely... Putting time into those relationships with family would take it away, obviously, take it away. from scientific endeavors. So can't serve two masters. If you want to go hard in science, sometimes you have to sacrifice some. Yeah, I think honestly, to, to be on our list, you have to sacrifice, and I think a common sacrifice is family. Yeah, I think that's a. It'll be interesting right if we can that. find someone who can do it. But anyways, uh, last one for me. We can allow satellites, planets, suns, universe, nay, whole systems of universes to be governed by laws. But the smallest insect, which we wish to be created at once by a special act. So his idea is, 
we look at these, these, these planets have these elliptical orbits and all this gravity and <clears throat> physics, and it's all controlled by laws, but then this insect, it can't be controlled by laws as well. It had to have been created at once by a god, and then it's left by itself. And so huh. he's probably, this could be a quote from like a debate of someone who's trying to refute evolution. Yeah. That God controls this with animals. And he's saying everything else is controlled by laws. Why can't we be controlled by laws? Interesting. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, last one for me. The highest possible stage in moral culture is when we recognize that we ought to control our thoughts. Interesting. Yeah, kind of uh, different from the other ones, but cool one. It's a good one. All right, let's move on to some fun stories. Okay. During his trip on the um, the Beagle, he actually Beagle. ate a bunch of different weird animals. Yeah, he was all about it his whole life. He ate armadillo. He said it tastes and looked like duck. He <laughs> ate an unnamed chocolate-colored rodent that he described as the best meat he had ever tasted. No way. He rode tortoises and drank fluid from their bladders, which he Gross. described as quite limpid and having only a very slightly bitter taste. He ate the flesh of a puma, compared it to the taste of yep. veal. veal. And even an owl. He ate Remarkably owl. like veal in its taste. Yeah. yeah. Pretty weird. Newton was eating chemicals and mercury, and we got, <laughs> we got Darwin, Darwin eating... Darwin eating pumas. Pumas. And rodents. Yeah, he, I, I read that he ate an ostrich also, but he couldn't, he couldn't hold down a brown owl. He tried to eat a brown <laughs> owl. <but laughs> that one just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Okay. Uh, We talked about the pros and cons list for marriage. That was one I had. He actually wasn't the one who coined the phrase survival of the fittest. But he added it to, it was the fifth edition of Origin of Species. He added that phrase actually in there. But it was first coined by Herbert Spencer in 1864. He actually made a lot of additions. So the word evolve was only, it was the very last word in the first edition. Evolution was a totally different concept. And then eventually it, it all it evolved and came in, and then he edited a lot of his editions and evolution okay. and evolve. Um, he inspired Karl Marx. He uh, viewed everything that he wrote as an allegory for class struggles. Uh, he saw that uh, the book uh, Origin of Species as a biological basis of socialism. Mm-hmm. So his influence uh, permeated throughout the decades and generations after. Yeah. Hitler was even, I, I don't know, directly inspired by him, but through Darwin, uh, we get eugenics, and eugenics beget Hitler trying yeah. to make a perfect race. Yeah. When he was about 20 years old, he was elected a fellow of the Royal Society. So that's like Isaac Newton was elected to that same, same society, society. Yeah. became the president of it, actually. Darwin did not become the president, but he was a fellow. And he actually received that society's highest scientific honor in 1864, which was the Copley Medal for Outstanding Achievements in Research in Any Branch of Science. Interesting. All right, let's do uh, two more. Okay. Um, When he dropped out of medical school, his dad said, quote, you care for nothing but shooting dogs and rat catching, and you will be a disgrace to yourself and all your family. Huh. Wow. It's too bad. Yeah. Let me see what I've got here. I'm trying to find... I've got one more. I'll do one more. Go ahead, yeah. Um, 200 years uh, after Charles Darwin's birth, the Church of England 
wrote an apology to him uh, <coughs> and said, we apologize for getting our first reaction wrong. But still, many people are skeptical of evolution. The 2006 poll said that only 48% of the general public accepted the theory of evolution. Wow. Really interesting. I think the theory of evolution is a pretty big ball. I think some people might, you know, assume that that has a lot of different other things. I think most people would agree with the idea that animals can evolve and, and change. But Yeah. Well, that's all I got. So okay. if you don't have any more, we can move on. Let's move on, and let's talk about his greatness and compare him to some other people. Yeah. Okay. Bow! So... Why don't you start? Why do you think, why is he on this list? What did he do? What attributes did he have or, or, or earn that helped him achieve his greatness? Well, I think he was really courageous. And he was kind of afraid, though, for a while, obviously, to publish his findings because he was kind of afraid of how religion would, how the religious community would react. But he was still very courageous in his willingness to pursue those ideas, even though he knew that they were quote-unquote dangerous. So, that was one thing. Another thing was that he basically, he completely changed the way that we think about animals and the natural world. Completely changed that forever. Some people say that this idea of natural selection might be the greatest idea that was ever thought of. It's influence. You can't even measure it. Yeah. It's influence For both good and bad. Politics, yeah. Sociology, biology, just everything. So so that in and of itself, that the influence that the, that idea has had in and of itself makes him great by, by the definition of, of something that, that has a large influence on the world. I think, obviously, his book, Origin of Species, his discovery of evolution, like you said, that achievement easily puts him on the list. Yeah. As far, and the legacy that he's had is un, undoubted. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think his attributes, uh, I think his attributes, mostly he, like you said, he was courageous. I don't think he was particularly smart. I don't think he was a genius intellect like Isaac Newton was, where he just went home and discovered these things. Yeah. I think he was obsessive yeah. or hardworking or persistent, whatever you want to say, but obsessive, like he would not stop. <clears throat> and I think he was creative. But I also think that he, if, if he did not discover this, it was going to be discovered very soon. Well, I mean, the other, Wallace obviously Wallace came was up with the same ideas. Exactly, yeah. right? So I think... Um, like Lincoln, if Lincoln wasn't a, if wasn't president at the time of the Civil War, someone else would have been president. Would he have handled it as well? Yeah, probably not. And that's what makes Lincoln great. And that doesn't take anything away from from what they accomplished, right? But it's no. just it's good timing. And maybe you know, if you believe in in sort of divine design or destiny or whatever that kind of thing, you can you can say that he was put in that position to and to accomplished what he did to come up with that, those ideas and affect the world in the way that he did. Yeah. I definitely agree that he was very hardworking because we talked about how he had these health problems and at times those caused him to be just laid up in bed because he couldn't move. He had stomach pains, just tons of pain that was keeping him from being able to work. But even so, he would get a little bit better and still have these health issues but he just worked through them. He, he worked, worked tirelessly because he was so 
he was probably very curious, a lot like a lot like Da Vinci. We talked about how Da Vinci was so curious and loved animals. So that's a similarity I, I see between him and, and Leonardo, and was just so willing to work hard to find the truth. And he was obsessive about studying animals and finding all the specimens he could and talking with people about them to be able to formulate these well, super I think, good ideas. I think uh, if you look at someone in your math class, there, there could be a, a, a kid who gets straight A because he just has this ability to understand math. Yeah. There could be a kid who gets straight A's because he works really, really hard. Sometimes <coughs> you get both of those. Works really hard and has this ability. But regardless, Newton. but but For regardless sure. of those, you have to have this idea of curiosity or courage or innovation, creativity, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. this ability to once you have learned these things, to think different than what your teachers have told you, to think the opposite of it. Yeah. To try to find new things. And that's what Newton did. When he published things, sometimes it was controversial, right? Yeah. Um, when with Darwin. It's controversial. People are afraid to do these things because it's against the norm. Yeah, and that definitely takes no, takes a good amount of courage and courage. confidence to be yeah. able to do those things. Courage, tenacity, creativity, I think would how I would describe Charles Darwin, and a dope beard. <laughs> cool. Yeah, uh, they were good. All right, that's all for World Changers. Catch us next week when we'll be talking about... It's a surprise. Not going to tell you that easily. Subscribe now. We'd love you. Uh, You can listen to us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Cast, Alexa. Just ask Alexa to play World Changers, and she will play you. Does that really work? Yeah, it's true. I'm going to try it when I get home. Try it. Uh, Thank you so much. Subscribe now, and that's all we got. Later, guys.